0: Welcome to our Sabbath School broadcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. We are grateful to God for allowing us to have another Sabbath, another worship experience, and another wonderful time just going through His Word. What a wonderful lesson we have this week, dealing with love. Love the Lord your God. And so just before we get into our lesson study, I want to just make a few announcements. We did announce a few weeks ago that we would be having our surprise pastoral and pastoral family appreciation on October 30th. We have pushed that date back to November. We are actually going to do something on November 27th. November 27th will be the surprise reveal. So you have an opportunity, um, if you are so inclined to come and join us virtually um, and to celebrate, you can start praying again. Um, you've asked to start praying already, but you can continue praying now through November 27th. We're asking for God's blessings and falling afresh upon Pastor Leonard Newton, his wife, sister, Shelly Ann Newton, and his children and his family extended. We're asking God to bless and hold them. And that is how we will show our, indeed, appreciation for Pastor Newton and his family and for the ministry and for the work that he is doing here and has done at Daughter Zion, but more importantly, the work that lays before him. So let's continue to pray for and with him, we will be having a um, segment in our service where we'll express to him how much we um, care for him and, and just concern that he and his family and how much we care for them and love them. And so we're asking all of you to become a part of that as well. So I want you just to um, keep that in mind as you continue to go into your prayer closet, as you continue to go into your war room with Jesus, okay? And um, so we are grateful this morning. We do have a guest panelist um, who is joining us this morning. My dear elder um Darren Lewis, and so we are so grateful that you would join us today, um, elder. And we're gonna get ready to go into our word. We're gonna take some time now and get into the scripture. Um, focus for the week, our memory text. The Bible says, You shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Let's take it from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength with all your soul. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, our lesson this week deals with to love the Lord your God. And so we're going to this delve, um, dive into this um, lesson study and have a discussion this morning. I'm looking forward to just taking this young mind that the Lord has shared with us this morning through Elder Lewis and having a discussion with you concerning some of the things that the Lord has revealed. And so um, as we've introduced you, now I want to introduce our dear sister, um, Pamela Cerise as well, and just take a few moments of um, saying thank you to you both for being a part of this panel. And I wanted us to just take a, a moment because as we look at our scripture focus, again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love the Lord your God with all your soul, love the Lord your God with all your strength. I want to find out, I want to ask the question, and I, and I want to get some help here. Why is love categorized into three parts into the heart, into the soul, and into the strength? Why is um, love categorized in those three parts? And as I come to you, I want to ask this question for our viewers. I want you guys to make sure you subscribe, that you um, share the page, and that you just take some time to, um, you know, just like it. And if you would also share your comments. Good morning, Sister Heinz. Share your comments as well. Um, You know These questions are not just for the panelists, but they're for you as well. We know oftentimes we get some great insight from our guests who are viewing online. So please share some of the comments and share the page. So Sister Terese, um, they say um, uh, ladies first. And I'm gonna ask if you would just share with us some of your thoughts as it relates to love being categorized into three parts.
1: Good Good morning. Good morning, everyone. So when I looked at what was presented, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, some versions say all your might, it is the core, it's getting to the core of what makes us up, The, the, the depth of our hearts, the depth of all that we have is what we need to, to, to love God. So it's not just part, and it is a defined um, status of what we need to be. All, because if, if if it had said, with your heart, your soul, and your strength, without that all, some of us might tend to be partial. So it's giving us the defined um, being of, of, of what it is, with all, all your heart, not some, you have to give it your all, the core of who you are. I believe that's why it's best for us to 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 categorize it, not just in your heart, but with all of what you have, all your strength, all your energy that you have. That's how I saw that.
0: Amen. I like that. I, I like the idea that it's broken down while it's I use the word separated is actually bringing everything together to to show completion. So it's all, it's interesting. Um, It's not subtraction, it's actually addition by showing um, all your work. And that's pretty much what you're doing, right? I I oftentimes struggled in school with not showing my work, just kind of having an answer um, on the page. And so teachers want you to show your work. I'm sure you can appreciate that, Sister Cerise. Um, Our dear elder um, um, Lewis, Darren, you don't mind if I call you Darren, do you? Um, You had it there on your screens, I figured it'd be okay. I just wanted to take a few moments and see what your thoughts were on that same thing why is love categorized in three parts
2: yeah so um i think for me to answer that question i i, I went back to uh, deuteronomy 6 verse 4 when it says hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one now even though the lord is one right we we are we, we're monotheistic we serve one god we know that this God is 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 expressed in three beings or three persons, which we call the Trinity: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, this concept of three or a relationship defines what love is. You know, you have to have more than more than one to express true love. So, I think if God would have just left it as you know, love God with all your heart, you know, that would have just expressed the emotional side. But he he adds in soul and strength because soul and strength requires not just your heart, but your mind and your actions. So it encompasses the whole being as far as loving God, not just from just from your mind, which is just intellectual, not just from your heart, which is just emotional, your strength, which is physical action, but it encompasses what love is. It's a spiritual it's a mental and an emotional thing so i think that's why he breaks it up into those three parts
0: i like that i like the idea that god is that multi-dimensional god right and um and just showing the different aspects of love but when it comes together it combusts into a beautiful love um love bomb i i, I like that um i like that idea there's actually a viewer who saw um that same wisdom um darren you don't mind if i share here our dear sister um Heinz said the heart is emotional, and you made reference to that as well. Soul is who we are, our entire being, and our strength loving is everything we do. And again, just again, you, you went to that whole part of the action and, and, and the emotion and, and um and the push behind it all. So thank you so much, Sister Hines. And and we again we encourage you guys continue to share your comments because guess what? You add the um some insight and perspective that people uh, need to hear and that we need to hear as well. But thank you so much, Darren. I, I love that idea of that um, multidimensional um love that God gives us in a multidimensional God um that, that has been revealed to us as well. And so I want to keep moving on because we look at this scripture again, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And there's a lot of emphasis on your right. Um, you shall love the Lord your god you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul without with all yours and so there's a lot of emphasis on that and i want to ask this question why is love an individual commitment rather than a group commitment we saw in the sunday um discussion that yes the um children of israel were told collectively about this but while they were in a group hearing it god was very specific and even the hebrew language makes it very specific where it says you 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 and it's talking about individual sister sister cerise help us out a little bit there with this individual commitment rather than a group commitment um
1: when i when i think of the question a few things comes to mind so we as a group we're given a mission we're given a task to spread god's word when it comes to the commitment It's an individual because I am responsible for what I do and what I can give, how I can love God individually by me. Something comes to mind when I remembered when, um, and it still happens today, when you're in college, when you're in school, when you're in education, you're given a group project, right? I really didn't like it because there were some of us in the group who did not put the same energy and effort that I did. They got the credit. I didn't care for that. It still happens today because there is there's a means to that. When I think of it in this context, I can only be, be responsible for my commitment to God. He loves me individually. He knows my strengths. He knows my abilities, my commitment to loving him has to be individual because we might interpret how we love with all our strength. We have different strengths uh, spiritually. Um, So it has to be to the best of my ability. My all is not gonna be your all. Elder Tracy. Not that God loves me any less, not that He loves you any more, but this has to be the my personal commitment to God. It is. It is. It is our relationship. Yeah, we have a good relationship, but my relationship with God is personal to me. It is. This is my individual part of of of, of loving Him. Is who I am. This is my responsibility. Thank you
0: you're absolutely right we've all worked in groups and had a group project or two and um you, you 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 know you're picking up the slap for someone else and so there are times where you know what um it can be a little bit um laborious um it can be a little bit trying uh, we are recognized as well that you never really get a chance to show individually your contribution that you're just handing it in as a group and god is saying what no group activities here right um, I want to make it personal. I want to hear from you directly, um, Darren. Help us out with this. Why individual commitment rather than a group commitment? Yet he's talking to a whole group at Mount Sinai, and he's talking to a whole group at during um, you know during the wilderness experience. But why individual and rather than a group commitment?
2: Saying the, the sister's name right, Sister Catrice, Cerise, Cerise. Oh, Sister Cerise. Okay. Yeah, I think she hit it. I I think she hit the nail perfectly on the head with that example of the group project. Um, Once you turn in that assignment, there's really no the teacher has no um, idea of how each individual contributed to that overall project. So even though you're all receiving uh, 80% or 100%, somebody could have did 50% of the work and still got 100%. So I think likewise, with God, he's saying that even though I'm speaking to Israel as a group, When it comes to judgment when it comes to relationship it's not a group project um each one of us is going to be judged on our own individual um works our own individual lifestyle so this relationship with god it's a one-on-one thing he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so um us loving god cannot be as a group it has to be as an individual and then you know collectively as a group we can worship god and we can all share with share with each other our relationship and how that relationship's going but he wants each individual to have that own relationship with him and to um to love him personally as their god not just Israel's god but your god
0: amen and you know one of the things i consider as well thank you so much darren you know that 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 um idea of that individual versus that group or collective body is our families right don't we all have individual relationships within our families you know we we have you know a, a parent perhaps or parents who have children but each child has a direct line to each parent Um, there, you know there are some children who um they, they will go to one parent for one thing and go to another parent for another thing. And they'll have certain conversations with one parent and, other, and certain conversations with another parent. And there's an individual relationship. Um, and it's this, it's this idea that you have to have one-on-ones within the family structure, even though it is a collective body um, that is called a family, there's individual relationships that take place within that family dynamic that make it so special and unique. And God is saying, look, we are a family and you know you can't love your wife collectively uh you know with the rest of the you need to love your wife you be, you know you can't love your husband collectively no 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 you know he knows how we feel no 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 it's an individual thing and so god is saying look i need an individual commitment and then we can then make the group flourish and benefit from that individual commitment so yeah very very um insightful i, I want to move and again i'm encouraging our viewers to like subscribe share <clears throat> did um, this broadcast. But I want to move on because in Monday's lesson, there's a very interesting discussion that has caused much confusion um, over the years. And it is the idea of fear the Lord, right? The idea of fear, to fear God. And so I want to um, just read this verse from Deuteronomy. Again, Darren, you went up a verse, so I'm going to go up a verse as well. Is that all right? I'm going to jump up two verses, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse two. It says, this is um, Moses speaking. He says that you may fear the Lord your God. And again, we here we are we're back to this idea of loving God, but then it talks about this idea of fearing God. And so um, we all recognize that the Bible lets us know that, that the love of God um, you know it drives out fear. You know, that there's, there's you shouldn't have any fear, but at the same time, here in Deuteronomy, we're hearing this idea of fear, and so um, I, I want to just take a moment and have a discussion about this idea of fear. And so before we get there, I want to read some of these comments. Um, Sister Wainwright, thank you so much. When I think of the population of the world and the vast enormity of this universe, I'm amazed that God knows my name, right? Again, individualized, he said. And she goes on to say, he loves me as an individual. He knows me, he knows knows I must return and and my individual love to him. And so I I love the fact that, um, Sister Wainwright, you're absolutely right. With the enormity of this um, population, enormity of this universe, um, the ridiculous limitlessness of it, God still knows me and he wants me. Um, very, very powerful. We also have a comment here by um, Brother Ricky Mark. It says, love is an individual commitment because love is first and foremost, a personal expression of humanity that then spreads to others. It cannot run before it has learned to walk. And so again, dealing with the idea that love has to have an individual base in order to be able to what? Spring forth and be shown to others. Thank you both so very much for those comments. Continue to share, please. I want to ask this question, getting into Monday. Sister Cerise, is it possible to both fear and love the Lord at the same time?
1: Most definitely. Um, When you look at the context in which the the word is, is used, and so often I think that um, there are those who uh, misuse uh, messages within the Bible because they are taking it in the incorrect uh, context. So in this context, when they talk about fearing God, when, when I first read that verse, I uh, to, for me, I did not think that God wanted to, me to be afraid of him. I believe he wanted to be, he wanted me to be to the highest level of reverence that I can offer. So I like Webster. I like that Webster gives us the different uh meanings one word can have and what they have defined it to be. And it's only in this context that they used uh fear to mean in awe of God the utmost reverence of God. So there are some cultures that have that belief that somebody of honor, you should not look them in the eye. And it is it is not that you're afraid to look at that person, but you, you're humbled to be near that person or around that person, so you don't make that eye-to-eye contact because it's not that you're afraid, that they might hurt you, but because you are in awe of them. So in this context, when it talks about fearing God, it is for us to give the utmost, to be in awe of, I mean, who does what God does? Nobody, He, he is above all. So when we look at how awesome he is, when we look at how honorable he is, when we give, put him where he rightfully belongs in that esteem, that is the context in which fear is used in this verse to be honorable, to give God the highest esteem of reverence and honor that there is, not to be afraid of him, but to be in awe of him.
0: Amen, amen, You're, you know, um, very powerful. And it's, it's a very sometimes hard for people to reconcile those things. Um, but it's definitely a respect and reverence. It's that that idea of um, um, just having the awesomeness of God revealed and then having the Isaiah moment where you recognize exactly who you are and then being an, an individual whose name he knows throughout all the universe, as Sister Wainwright brought up earlier. Looking here, Sister Hines says, not a fear in the sense of being afraid, as you were speaking to Sister Cerise, but a fear in the sense of respect, honor, love, and worship of God who is love. And so again, um, just a understanding that, you know, is it possible to love and fear God at the same time? And <clears throat> Darren, I need you to chime in here and help us out. Um, you know, you have that perspective of, of your generation and I want to understand um, just what your perspective is and if I help our viewers to understand as well.
2: Yeah, so I love that you brought up, you know, our generation, because a lot of times when they come across texts like these, they immediately tie the definition to our modern definition, which is if you're afraid of somebody or you fear someone, it's because you're terrified, you're fearful, you're, it's almost like a tyrant in a sense. So how can you love somebody who you look at as a tyrant? How can you love somebody who produces emotions of fear inside of you. And so I like that um, Sister Cerise actually gave us the definition because it does give us the, the multiple meanings of the word fear, but I also love how the Bible also gives us context for different words as well. So um, if, if we, we all know the story of Abraham and Isaac and how God had told Abraham to sacrifice your son. The, the same son that he'd been waiting a hundred years to have because Isaac, uh, Abraham had Isaac when he was almost a hundred years old, and now God was calling him to sacrifice his one and only, well, not his one and only, but his son, whom God had promised. And so, right as Abraham is getting ready to to slay and to sacrifice his son, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, "Do not lay your hand on the child, or do or do nothing to him, for now I know." that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So within this context, we can see that fear is not necessarily being afraid, but Abraham's fear was linked to his obedience towards God. So fear, um, fear can be seen in our obedience to God, based on what he's done, who he is. We fear God and we obey him, because of who he is, not because of our fear of him or afraid, but recognizing his power and his his um, authority, we fear him. But at the same time, we still love him for what he has done in providing that sacrifice for us.
0: Now, Dan, I'm just gonna ask for a favor. Can I preach out of what you just said for a minute, please? Can I just preach out of what you just said? So as you were speaking, you acted as though you, um, we're getting ready to make a, a misstatement and, and you quickly just came came back and you you made a point but what you were doing was, a, was an excellent presentation because it seemed as though you're getting ready to uh, make a, a statement about his one and only son he said "When his one and only well not his own and you kind of you kind of brought that point out because you knew where you were going to go in the end and I, and I love how the holy spirit has worked for you this morning my brother so here's here's my little part that i want to preach on so abraham doesn't obey god he disobeys god and has a child with hagar right and in that moment the fear of the lord is not on him as it relates to that obedience factor right mm-hmm. but now that he has been obedient even to surrendering his son the promise right the the, the seed that came forth from sarah's womb now that he's in the mountain god says now i know in other words now you have shown obedience now you've shown the fear not that you not you didn't do it with ishmael you didn't do it with um with hagar right you didn't do it when you fell victim to that thinking that i couldn't do what i said i would do how i would do it when i would do it but now that you have withheld nothing do the boy no harm for now i know that you fear me and so it's an excellent excellent point and how it just corresponds and wraps itself into obedience thank you so much for that and i love the fact that it comes from your generation and the reason why is because isaac had to also have the same fear he's laying there he's young he could have busted up the shipper he could have busted up the altar and ran down mount moriah and said daddy and lost his mind y'all you know (laughs) let's go back home but instead he lays there because god has shown him through his father's example of god that same fear and so thank you thank you thank you very very powerful point we also um see here um something from brother mark He, he goes through and i think Sister Cerise, you brought this point out as well regarding fear. Fear is defined as a feeling of respect and wonder for something very powerful as defined by Merriam-Webster. So we we see again this idea of fear and can you fear and love God at the same time? And I want to go now into this this segment, of this question I want to ask here, you know, why is there a requirement to fear the Lord? So, you know, you're saying you can. But I want to understand why is there a requirement? And we see it in a few cases in the Bible, this idea that you must fear the Lord. Um, so help me out, Sister Reese. I know we've kind of touched on it already, but I, I wanted to see if we can kind of flesh this point out a little bit more. The, the requirement really is just to clarify,
1: clarify the type of love that we should have when it comes to God. Um, it is when you, um, when you have that unabashed love for God, you're not ashamed of it. You are proud of what you have. Um, I I see it more as as a clarification to what type of love that we ought to offer when we give our love. Our, our love to God. That is how I interpreted that. Just to clarify for us and tell us the type of love that we should give. We're not ashamed of it. And we it is like we were pointing out with Abraham. Um, he was in awe of what God still did for him in spite of what he, how he took matters in his own. And he still realized that God blessed him Regardless. So when we love God with that unconditional, unashamed, pure, it is that is that is is just clarifying for us how we need to love God, how we need to have th- that type of love and fear for God. They're actually to me in this in this sense, they're linked. They go hand in hand. This is how you do it. That is how I think that
0: requirement is. Amen. Amen. Uh, very powerful. Um, Brother Lewis, talk to me a little bit about you know why, the, why is there a requirement to fear the Lord? Um, why is that established there? And we see it in, in
2: numerous places in the Bible. Yeah, I would say um, being that fear is tied to obedience. And obedience is tied to the commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so if obedience is tied to love then in order for us to obey God, it has to be a sense of fear because you don't respect someone whom you don't fear. You're not gonna obey someone whom you don't fear. So once we realize what God has done for us, who God is, it's almost like a natural response for us to fear the Lord because we have this all, we have this respect. So I think even though it's a requirement, I also feel like it's just a natural response of, of loving God and just being obedient to him.
0: Amen, amen. I, um, thank you both so very much. You know what I love. You, you see it all throughout Scripture. You see, you know, we talked about the Isaiah moment where he has that that recognition of who God is by seeing it um, as he never saw it before. We see examples in Revelation of how we'll be um, tossing and throwing our crowns at His feet, and it's just again the idea of, um, of of, of the um the awesomeness of God and, and that reverence. Sister uh, Marjorie Collins, fearing God is a beginning of wisdom. And so that's such a powerful revelation, right? Again, and she, she's um, reminding herself the idea that when you fear God, now you start the track. Now you start the path. Now you start moving in, in life um, towards that idea of, of, of being wise. And then our dear Sister Hines, to that earlier point that was just made, um, just says, amen. And, and so I really wanted to look at the idea that, um, you know, as we look at the, Three angels messages as we see them in revelation chapter 14 verse 7 says what fear god right and 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 it goes through and explains why it talks about what he has done and who he is and and what he controls and so again um it's all throughout the bible from the beginning to the actual end and the revealing of jesus christ i want to move on now tuesday um just want to try and um um uh, you know wrap wrap that up i i want to talk about the idea of God first loving us, and, and you know, God first loves us. It's, it's powerful. Um, and, and so I want to ask this question, and I just really want to get some um feedback from you. Why is it such a powerful revelation that God first loved us? Why is that so key in our experience, Sister Cerise?
1: So when you read the, 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 the background to this, remember that, in, and in Deuteronomy it tells us four, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing that he loved our, um, our, the promise that was made and the love that was made for our ancestors, and it didn't stop at our ancestors, it went to the generations. It just adds to the fact that it, that, of God's unconditional love. Now, when it was brought up again, when Moses brought it up again, and they were about to enter the promised land, remember he said, you're entering into this place now, but this is what is going to happen. You're gonna do these things because he loved, because of his love for us. He did not really, as in today's uh, language, he didn't look at what I was bringing to the table before he offered his love for me he loved me despite and regardless of what i was going to be and we all know that god knows our beginning he knows our our failures he knows our weaknesses that does not matter he still loved us first and it wasn't that he was waiting to see what we could do he, would, he didn't wait to see what we were coming with. He loved us first. So he said, I'm loving you first. That is like the most to me is a profound statement of what unconditional love is because he doesn't care how weak I am. He loves me. He loves me first. He's not waiting to see what I do and then love me and bless me. No, he's loving me initially. And however I falter, he still loves me. However I I, I fail, he still loves me. He's loving me first. You know that I can't sing, like some people can say he's loving me first and he's still taking my, my, my whatever I have and still loving me. That is such, like I can't, sometimes you can't articulate how much and how profound and awesome God's love is for us. And to think that is, is for me, you know, like me, it's sometimes it is just, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to articulate His love for us. But for me, that's how I see it. He didn't wait to see what I, I was gonna do first. He loved me from the beginning, and He's still loving me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, amen, amen, amen. You see a lot of comments coming in here because I, I'll, I'll tell you that concept of the science of God's love is just 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 so powerful and, and, and so unmatched um Darren yeah uh, see you're, you're chomping at the bit talk to us man um you know tell us why the revelation of God loving us first is so powerful
2: yeah uh, yeah I was just you know soaking up everything and just trying to think of something but um I thought of this illustration and um, all right so imagine you walking down the street and this random person just comes up to you and says do you love me? How are you? How are you going to respond to that person? You'd be like, I, I don't, I don't even know you. How can I love you? I, I have no idea who you are. And then, so then the person says, Okay, well, when you were a baby, you, you went into a, you had an allergic reaction to a, a medication, and you were about to die because you, you started suffocating. And so before the, the emergency came, I was the one who was giving you. CPR and assisting you and making sure that you got to the hospital i basically saved your life so before you even knew me i loved you enough to save your life with that revelation that would kind of change your perspective towards this random stranger you never met because you now know he's responsible for saving your life before you even knew him and so likewise with god for us to for god to reveal that he loved us At points in our lives when we didn't, one, we didn't know who he was, two, we were sinning against him and living contrary to his will. For him to say that, I didn't love you just when you got right, I loved you when you were messed up. That is something that's transforming because a lot of people think that, you know, God only loves you when you're doing good. But according to this, God loves us in our bad, in our worst. So I think that's a message that really needs to go to the world that God loves us despite our mess, in our mess, but he doesn't want us to stay in our mess. He has sent his son to redeem us, to save us. And um, that's a love that's gonna draw the world.
0: Amen. Sister Teresa, you were going through your example. You went to that very point and you kept putting your hand like this. You know what? Despite that mess up, despite my failings, and 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 I lost count because that's exactly what happens right in our experiences. Um, God is still there. So I want to ask this question, um, you know, I want you to as best you can explain the power of God's love in creating you and in redeeming you. And, and just looking at the, the lesson already brought that out. I love it. the fact that it was happening before knowing what was going to happen after.
1: So to piggyback a little bit on what our brother was saying, there are some, we, we, we should remember too, that God, there are people who've, who've never heard of God, don't know of his love, don't know of his goodness, and God was loving them before that, loving them enough to keep them, So sometimes if you stop and think that most of us growing up with some semblance of who God is and what he is, and didn't love him the way we love him now, and to to stop and think that God was loving me all along, and when you in retrospect think, "Mm, that had to be God that kept me and saved me during that time. So when I think of the power of his love in creating me. The first thing that came to my mind was that he created me in his image. For, to, to grant me is so humbling to me to think that when God decided to create man, he thought, I'm gonna create God, I'm gonna create man in my image, first and foremost. And then his, um, Willingness to catch me, to pick me up, bless me in spite of all my faults, all my failings, and then to turn around and die for me. Turn around and die for me. It is it is mind boggling that that love because. People, you know, I find a lot of people throw out the word love. I love, I love cake. Am I gonna die for cake? No. Uh-uh. I love my kids. I would do a lot for my kids. Hmm. And that's something that we would think about, right? To think that first of all, God created me in his image. I'm a good looking person days, right? And God thought to create me in his image. Then to turn around and die for me? And in spite of him doing that, me today, right? In, in our time, in, in this history, God, already, we already know he died for us and still we falter. We crumble sometimes. And God still picks us up. That's the power of, of, of God's love. And to, to still want to pick me up in my foolishness every day, when every day I have to, it is a, remember we talk about making that commitment daily for some people, hourly, and God's love is always, always there. And he's always ready to pick us up and still always ready to bless us. That That is a powerful, powerful love, Jason.
0: Amen, amen, amen. Um. Darren, help us out there. Explain the power of his love in creating and redeeming you. And while I'm bringing you, bringing you over, I want to ask this question. Um, not even ask this question. It reminds us of this song um, that was once um, saying, when I think about his love, how he made me, how he saved me. When I think, and just like the, the, this reflection on God's love in creating you and then saving you, but creating you knowing he has to save you um, and still saying, I'm going to create you. And I think that's what Sister Wainwright was talking about, that blob of, uh, of clay. Um, Darren, help us out there.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I think I think that goes back to uh, the last Sabbath, Sabbath school lesson about the Sabbath and how basically the Sabbath is a a symbol of God's power to one create. You know, He made the earth in six days, but He He rested on the seventh. He set that part. He set that day apart, and so He creates, but He also redeems. He sanctifies. He sets apart. And so for us, that lesson of us when we worship and we come together for the Sabbath is a reminder that we serve a God who, one, he created us in his image. He made us. And despite our brokenness, despite our sins, he can recreate us. And so that that's that's powerful in knowing that. And then also that he can set us apart, even though we may we may have gotten so deep in the world and and there's no there's no distinction from our lifestyle and the rest of the world we we can still go to god and he can sanctify us he can separate us he can make us holy and so i think that's very important to know that we serve a god who can recreate but can also make us holy
0: it's powerful sister hines says he is awesome and darren as much as i think you're awesome i believe she's talking about jesus i think she's talking about the love of god right <laughs> here right and so Amen. um Let's let's keep moving here. I want to just ask this question um, moving into Wednesday. If you love me, keep my commandments. Ah, this is it, right? Uh, when I want to ask this question. This is very important. Um, is this conditional love? If you love me, keep my commandments. Is this conditional love? Sister Cerise, help us and help our viewers understand. It is, it is not conditional. Uh,
1: in, in 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 this text, um, it is a, of how it is 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 used. So in this context, when we he says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." This is the how. This is another clarifying point for us. This is how. I might ask you to show me, I might say to my kids, if you love me, you bring me flowers on my birthday. You know that I love roses, bring me. If you love me, do this, right? This, if you love me, is a how. God is telling us how we show him that we love him. Because different people might define love differently in various ways, but in this context, is a coexistence, It is. this is the how, to my love, your love for me. This is how you love me. It's not conditional because regardless, God still loves us. It is for us to show him how to love him. It's, it's not a conditional love at all. It is It is him telling us, this is what you do. They actually, they go together, they coexist because if you're gonna love him this is how you're gonna do it this is how you're gonna show him it t- they, they go hand in hand this is not a
0: conditional kind of love not a cause and effect kind of thing amen amen um darren i'm gonna bring you over we're, we're short on time do you have anything to add to that as it relates to it, the conditional um question concerning if you love me keep my commandments is that conditional love
2: oh yes i always say it's conditional conditional on our part but unconditional on God's part. In the same way like when you're married, um there's conditions. You have vows. If you you love this person, you're not going to cheat on them you, through sickness and in health, for better or for worse. Those are the conditions. At any time you can choose to go contrary to those conditions. But unlike for two humans, our God is unconditional, but we are, you know, we are conditional. So it's just how it's just an expression of how we're to love this unconditional God
0: that I actually um, saw something It's just a high. thank you so much it's how you relate to someone by um, doing the things that make them happy um, you know one of the things that I was really um, intrigued by was someone made a comment they said if you look at the statement and read it um, perhaps with a different um, view you'll see it says if you love me keep my commandments in other words if you don't love me don't keep my commandments there's a whole lot of yeah. commandments keeping people right that don't love right. God, right? right? And we see it come out later on in the text. So if you don't love me, don't keep my commandments. In other words, the motivation for your obedience to God. And so I wanna ask about that. What should be the obedience to keeping the commandments? Just try and just make sure you have everything written by the letter or because of some other motivation? And again, going back to that statement, it's almost as though he's saying, if you love me, then keep my commandments. But if you don't love me, if, If you're gonna keep them for any other reason, to make the church happy, make the church board not talk about you, to make sure the church of business doesn't read you out, then guess what, don't keep them. I I, I love that, Um, I love that idea. And so um, Sister Washington, thank you. Keeping the Commandment shows that we love um, love, um, God, that we love him. And then our dear um, contributor says, God's love language acts of kindness words of affirmation quality time and the other two I can't think of lol but nonetheless they know that there's some stuff that goes in there right that that reveals God's love and so Darren I want to come back to you and ask you about your obedience to God you've been serving for for a while as a um young elder you've always inspired me we've worked together during revivals crusades and I just watch your your zeal for the Lord as well on um no matter how big the stage you always just um, having humility about you. And I want to ask you about your motivation um, for your obedience to the Lord. I'm not suggesting you're perfect. I'm just simply saying you have some motivation to wanting to do what the Lord would have you to do. What motivation?
2: Oh, I, I, I would definitely have to say that my primary motivation for obedience is my love for him based on what he has done for me. Um, you know, there there even though within our christian walk within my christian walk i still struggle even though there were times when i i wasn't even walking with the lord to know that god still loved me and is still loving me that's something that you know draws me to want to obey him not run away from him but to to want to obey him and so i think for us as christians and you hit it you you said it perfectly if you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't love me, don't keep my commandments. And it all boils down to choice. I love the fact that we serve a God who allows us to choose. Even if our choice is to go against him, he will never force. So if you love me, do this. But if you don't, that's fine too. Don't keep them. But uh, it just it just makes me love God more to know that he's not a dictator, he's not a tyrant, but he wants my, my 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 choice to choose him not just to do it because he says so
0: amen amen he chose to die right he chose to create us he chose to come back to get us and so just oh he's choosing to come back together since an awesome thing Sister cerise i want to close on this point i have a question for you moving into thursday's lesson um the young teacher comes up to jesus right he's trying him and he says hey um um tell me the greatest commandment And I wanna find out the fact that Jesus was able to answer him and give him one. Why, if the commandments can be reduced to one commandment, according to what the teacher was asking, why provide the others, right? Why give us all these commandments if it can be reduced to one commandment? Um, Sister Reese, can you help us out a little bit there?
1: I thought about this, um, Elder, and I said, it can be a clarification again, um, but it can also be so people don't misinterpret um, the, the, the law, so to speak. Um, because above all else, if you love God, like he said, with all your being, all your heart and all your mind, the others will fall into place. The other commandments, so to speak, the other statues will fall into place kind of like naturally. And I think also the mere the fact that the scribe he was speaking to the scribe is because sometimes the people who are knowledgeable in other areas and they will misuse they might misuse their intelligence to determine who should and should not be entitled to God's love and who should and should not be uh saved, so to speak. So above all else, and if you love God, and we go back to, if you love me, keep my commandments, we should be striving for that first. Love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all the other things. If we
0: earnestly go to that, all the other things will fall into place. Amen. Amen. And, you know, um, thank you so much for that. You know, the idea that he asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And um, our dear brother Mark asked the question, weren't they simplified into two and, you know, had the little goopy eyes. And the idea is that what Jesus is answering the question about the greatest commandment, then he goes, and the second is like unto the first. And so pretty much what he does is he wraps into the um, greatest. I'm using air quotes because Jesus didn't say it, the man, the scribe is asking, right? Being very, um, he, he's trying to and pull something from Christ and Christ drops a bomb on him and goes and brings it back to Deuteronomy and then he turns around and says the second is like unto the first and so that in other words he's, he's saying using your terminology the second greatest is like unto the first and so it's just it's, it's wow it's a wow moment for us all loving the lord and then do what love your fellow man in the same way and so we have something of a, a powerful comment here sister heinz thank you so much it's an expansion of how broad love is it's multifaceted. And we are right back to how we started, right? Darren, did we talk about this idea that you brought up that God is what? Multi-dimensional, right? That God is showing us love in different ways. And so such a powerful, powerful um, wrap around to exactly who God is and how God is. And so I want to just conclude by saying thank you all so very much for uh, viewing our um, broadcast on this lesson of loving the Lord your God. I want to thank our participants, our, our panelists, Sister Cerise has always just um, bring such an authentic flavor to our broadcast with such a practical application of God's love. And so we thank you so much for that, Sister Cerise. And I want to thank our dear brother, Darren um, Lewis, for joining us this morning. I've always enjoyed you when we were able to worship together and go and do different work in the name of the Lord. And watching you over the years has been truly inspiring. And And I want to say to you, continue doing the good work. And thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, your analogy was loved by many, and it has teaches us more about God's love. And so I pray the Holy Spirit will continue to be with you, keep you, and just encourage you along the way as you encourage others. Um, our, our viewing audience, I want to tell you thank you also for being a part of our Sabbath School broadcast. Thank you for your comments. Um, I didn't get a chance to speak to every one of the comments, but I was trying to post as many as possible. You guys have been phenomenal, as you always are. And so I want to just remind us all that, look, November 27th, we are going to have a bashment for Pastor Newton. It's going to be a bashment like you've never seen before. What do you mean? A bashment of prayers. We're literally going to be bringing our prayers together and asking the Holy Spirit to just kind of take those things up, breathe on them, fix them up, and bring them before heaven um, and down heaven's corridor for us. And we are also asking if you want, if you're so inclined that you want to show or do something for Pastor Newton as well, please, by all means, you have time to do it. You have over about a month or so. Um, definitely, you can contribute in any way you want, but most importantly, what I'm asking of you is for prayer for the Newton household and for the work that lays ahead. Continue to pray for our work services as well. Please join us at 11 o'clock. We are going to have a powerful um, service that's been prepared for you. We have a um, Power past, um Day. We have our um, past, very own Pastor, Leonard Newton will be bringing a message Approval addiction. Approval addiction. It's going to be an awesome um, message um, he has prepared for us today, and I and I know the Holy Spirit is going to use in a mighty way. In addition to that, we also have the Ambassadors Ministry who will be presenting at five thirty. They will be having the um, subject disappointment and anger and dealing with that. And I think many of us can relate to those topics. And so we're asking um, so that, that you all join and um, come back online. Facebook, YouTube, join in, participate, comment. At this time, going to have our closing prayer. And I'm going to ask that um, you would just um, continue to pray with us and for us, recognizing that the Lord has much work for us to do. And we are encouraged because he's actually using us to do the work. Isn't that something? Us, the stuff that he created, the stuff he had to die for, he's using that to do what? Further the work. And so I'm going to ask our guest
2: panelists, Darren um, Lewis, could you just go ahead and pray for us, Elder? Absolutely. Let us pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to learn and to dive into your word. We pray, Lord, that as you have brought to our attention to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind, that we will not just apply this as a collective, but as individuals because it is you who has saved us, it is you who has created us, recreated us, and redeemed us. So allow us to live alive for your glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen.
0: Thank you so much, um, Elder Lewis, and thank you all for viewing. Remember, come back in. You have about four minutes, grab some little um, unsalted crackers and some water, and get <laughs> yourself ready, take a little bathroom trip, and you know, take make sure you um, you know clean your face up a little bit um, for Jesus, okay? So God bless you all. Thank you for being with us. And we look forward to worshiping with you at 11 o'clock and join us back again um, next week for our Sabbath school broadcast. Have a great afternoon.